I'm Becky and welcome to another episode of the Salty Mums podcast where we explore motherhood from a Christian perspective through women's stories and wisdom to help us remain the salt of the earth in today's culture. Hello and welcome back or just welcome if you've never been here before to the Salty Mums podcast. Now the world hasn't always made life easy for women as we know and that also includes the church and that still applies today in in some ways and in some contexts. I was working in my 20s um as a church relations manager for a for a charity and um it was sometimes really hard as a woman a to be noticed, to be taken seriously um in in quite a male dominated environment. And also can occasionally in some contexts, not very often, made um, logistics a bit more complicated as well. One thing that really boosted my confidence during that time was having some female mentors uh, and advisors, but also joining a network called the Gathering of Women Leaders where we meet, I think it was quarterly or maybe it was three times a year, have amazing speakers that would... Um, you know really be really exciting really informative it was just great to see other women doing interesting and amazing things um, from a Christian context in in various different sectors but also we we were a sort of support network in some ways and we could reach out to each other for advice or questions and um and in fact some of the lovely ladies that I met through that network have been podcast guests on here so I really love to see other groups where women are supporting other women and a big part of my motivation for starting this podcast was about learning how we can support other women other mothers in their context of motherhood whatever that might be whether it's difficult circumstances or whether it's a very easy time of life for them um i wanted to learn how we can be salt and light to each other during this season and that of course includes female leaders in the church so i was really excited when sophie who's our guest today agreed to come and talk to us about um being a vicar as a mother and the challenges that entails and the network that she's or the networks that she's part of which help support um other women in leadership and also uh, how we can better support the female leaders in our church so here's today's episode hey sophie hi becky thank you for having me oh it's my total pleasure total total pleasure well just to introduce sophie a little bit um she is serving a church with her husband in lincolnshire at the moment and um, she's obviously a mum, and she is involved in um the junior network committee and the prisca network um so welcome on i'm sure you've got lots of wisdom to share with us oh. Well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> or life experience. Yeah. Yeah. You get gain lots of wisdom and experience by being a mum in itself. Yes, I think, but... that's definitely true. <laughs> they, they don't tell you about that when you're thinking about becoming a mum. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So tell us tell us a little bit more about yourself, Sophie. Okay. So yes, I am originally a London girl, born in South East London, spent my teenage years in Colchester near Essex in Essex. 
and um, after uni I went to work uh, in the city of London. I worked um, in human resources for um, a, a law firm, kind of learning and development, leadership management skills, that kind of thing. And along the way felt uh, God calling me to uh, ordain ministry, which was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> I went to theological college, met my husband. That was also a surprise. Bonus. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, sort of embarked on uh, ministry and uh, curacies and things. It was a bit complicated, obviously, because we were both going for um, ministry together. And um, yeah, here, are, here we are in, in South Lincolnshire. Had a couple of babies along the way. Oh, lovely. How old are you, your little ones? So uh, Lucy, who's six, and John, who's two. So you're still in the throes of the young young years. Very much so. In fact, last night, John's going through a wave of waking in the night again, and we think it's it's teething, um, just waiting for these wretched molars to come oh. through and then for life to stabilise. Uh, we're not quite there yet. I do think teething is one of nature's cruelties with, with babies and children. It's just It's just horrible, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and Lucy spoiled us because she didn't seem to be bothered by teething at all she was like yeah whatever teeth are coming through you know she wasn't in pain particularly and her sleep didn't seem to be disturbed and John's not terrible I mean you know I've met parents who've had children who are really upset by teething but mm. it definitely um he gets a bit grumpy and it definitely disturbs his sleep so yes for everyone's sake we're just hoping that maybe this summer the molars will come through and then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more sleep <laughs> It's the broken sleep, isn't it? And I, I listened oh, yeah. to a podcast recently about sleep deprivation. Um, and it was a bit frightening, to be honest. Like, so, so the effect that sleep deprivation can have on your body long term. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think 90% of parenting, like 90% of your headspace is taken up thinking about sleep and how you can yeah. get more. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> or there's a good there's a good 20% of my head as well of like, how can I eke out as much time after they've gone to bed mm. to do everything that I want to yes. do just for myself as well and then I end up going to bed too late and yeah it's just a bit of a silly silly yeah. cycle I get myself into <laughs> I hear you and I think the more introverted you are the harder that is I'm I'm quite introverted and I really crave time on my own which you just don't get so um yeah I I'm completely I'm completely with you I I, I kind of look at the, t- the clock and say I really must turn the light here I just want to read another chapter and have just enjoy the silence. <laughs> okay. So, so what led you into training for ordination? You said it was a bit of a surprise, but yeah, it was. I was quite enjoying working in learning and development. I've, I knew that I was interested in people. A bit of a cliche, but I knew that was something that kind of flicked my switch. Um, and I was at a church with a vicar who um, had a sort of history of um, putting people forward for ordination I didn't realize this at the time and he very cunningly and quietly been asking me to do sort of bits and pieces be on the PCC and um, I remember very distinctly the day he asked me to preach because I was on a, a train don't know where I was going but I remember getting the call and him saying you know, Sophie would you preach on this date and I just like absolutely knowing that was definitely what I wanted to do um, and, and felt really yeah like a god thing I suppose um so sort of new but also natural at the same time if that makes sense so the th- little things like that that I've been getting slowly more involved in my local church and then it just kind of came to a head I'd, I'd been at 
my role for a while um and thinking I really wanted to get into coaching or because I was what I was doing was organizing I was like an event manager really for training courses and I wanted to kind of get over the 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 river and and be on the side of the people delivering the training but I didn't know, quite know how to get there because I wanted to I thought you know coach qualification what does this look like and I had this I I had this just feeling in my tummy. It's weird, like just a sort of ongoing unsettled feeling in my stomach. And um, I remember one evening I was just chatting to our vicar and he said, oh, Sophie, I think it'd be good to have a, a chat soon. Someday. I didn't know what it was about. But as soon as he said that, this unsettled feeling just went away completely. So I thought, OK, maybe the Holy Spirit, you know, is at work here. Clearly, I think God wants me to have this conversation. And it was in that meeting that he said to me, I think you should think about full time ministry, which was a bit of a shock because when I'd preach, people would say, oh, you know, you should think about being a vicar. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. You know, people don't get to hear young women preach very often. I was in my 20s. You know, it's just sort of new and exciting. And that's what everyone says. So I, I hadn't taken any of that seriously. Um, so when uh, my vicar suggested it, I was like, oh, OK. And then sort of discovered that my my family, my pet, my dad in particular, wasn't very keen on the idea um, because of a, a headship model, really, the idea that women shouldn't kind of lead churches or anything. And that was also a bit of a shock because looking back, I can see that's what he believed, but it wasn't something we talked about. So it, it kind of drove me back to scripture, really, and um, some, met some helpful uh, people along the way and read some helpful books. And I just wanted to know, you know, is this something that God is happy with me doing? Does he want me to do this? Is this OK? Um, and I reached the conclusion that definitely I thought that God wanted women to preach and that was what I knew I really wanted to do I wasn't so keen on the idea I didn't think I was the right shape necessary to lead a church to be the overall person leading shape wasn't sure that was what my sort of gifting was um and so yeah I just went from there really amazing um and when when were you doing your training were you starting a family at the same time as training for the so, sort of yeah we um so as I say we I met Greg my husband at theological college he was a little bit ahead of me in my in training so and he finished it he finished his training I still had some time to go so he had took a job in um where we were in a church where we were for a year while we worked out like oh is this gonna happen are we gonna get married you know well, it was slightly stressful yeah I have to say but um and we ended up getting married and starting Greg's curacy all at the same time I still had um a year left of training to do so I transferred to college I actually went to I went to Oak Hill College for a year I, although I I did I did it part-time over two years while Greg did his curacy and then I got pregnant right towards the end of those two years I remember like writing my dissertation <laughs> while very very pregnant that didn't really oh, wow. work because I had baby brain that didn't help at all but um somehow both of them arrived <laughs> vaguely on time and um yeah so then we I had a year of Greg's curacy with Lucy before then starting my curacy two big changes entering ministry and starting a family how did that impact your idea of career success and identity and purpose that's a really good question I think that they they impacted them in very different ways so the whole discernment process and just the journey of asking God okay you know what what's the shape you've made me what what the what are you calling me to do the discernment process really clarified that for me because 
you know different people give you feedback and you um try stuff out like you know preaching or leading a service or whatever um running an alpha course or whatever it is that you're doing you, you kind of doing pastoral work you're continually sort of testing out your sense of vocation so it really yeah expanded and clarified what I thought God was calling me to I think that having a family really challenged that but in what's been quite yeah hard but but actually it's really been an important part of the of the of the journey because you know when you have a family you suddenly um you have to slow down you know at the moment I'm I'm primary care for our children while um Greg is the incumbent of the church and I'm 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 people are surprised when they see me in a dog collar or you know doing something or initially anyway oh I didn't know you Rebecca kind of thing and so you're you're kind of unseen and I really struggled with that um I find what I still do I thought I found it um kind of quite painful to be overlooked and to be um doing I mean it's funny because in a way in this season of, of, of my life motherhood and ministry are really tied together so I see my role apart from being a kind of stable point for our family as we've moved and trying to sort of settle here I, it's basically about relationship and friendship so I'm I'm just friendly like that's just my job you know I I run a toddler group and I go to a toddler group and I chat to mums in the playground I'm just like be my friend and then see who wants to be my friend and then I'll be their friend and see see what happens kind of thing that's just what I'm doing so but that's very unsexy um mm. you know it's not being recorded it's not other people aren't looking at that so, you know it, it, no one's giving me kind of affirmation or or and and it really made me realize that um one of the dangers of the of the whole sort of discernment journey and, and is that you're you learn to regard yourself as a special person and um that obviously it's good to be realistic about and, and understand your value as a person but you can start to see yourself as as really kind of important um in God's plan and I, I've been reading a book um actually that I massively recommend by a guy called Zach Eswine and it's called The Imperfect Pastor and he he his stories that he he's an American pastor that he was sort of on the fast track to kind of a massive ministry of preaching publicly and writing books and and it all crashed for him and his his, his marriage failed and it, it, it led him to kind of reevaluate the way that he thought about career and the whole idea of what ministry is. And he describes it as, you know, so often we, we sort of, we're so focused on making an impact for God and doing really famous things fa as fast as we can. And he's, he, he basically says, is that really what Jesus did? And is that really what he wants us to do? And actually God's heart is more for the overlooked unseen things for those kind of quiet, slow relationships. And one of the great, sort of privileges of, of being here in a local parish church is that um and, and god willing you know, we're hoping to be here for 15 20 like for the long haul to be here for a long time and actually it is it, sort of it's painful at times but he talks about the need to kind of you know if if we've got if we're god will give us the stamina to be overlooked um and actually what he calls us to is 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 massively valuable this kind of just daily slow relationship building and and trying to help people uh find god where they are and so i think having a family and being like necessarily not public in my ministry has actually been a huge spiritual discipline almost i mean it's something i'm still very much struggling with all the time um 
but yeah so I'd say they both impacted me in in quite different ways yeah and I think it's quite a common feeling for mums anyway isn't it with even if you're not in ministry of of you feel a bit sort of overlooked and your 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 whole identity changes isn't it and I was talking to someone at the weekend and um he was he was really good actually at acknowledging actually what it can be like for women sometimes is that when you have a baby you become a mum and then it's like you know if you're still working you're a vicar who's a mum um a doctor who's a mum you know and, and those those two things are, are very um entwined although he did acknowledge he said but to be honest as well like probably a lot of women it's even before they have a baby it's a you're a female doctor you're, you know it's not just a doctor um but yeah and it's sort of that feeling of you know when when you are at home and and tied to a baby who you're breastfeeding or, or or whatever and it feels like the world goes on a bit without you doesn't it um and I've been a stay-at-home mum now for six years and I got I've been told off for the last few years a little bit by some people because I just go oh I'm just a mum like yeah. you're not just a mum but it, it feels like that sometimes yeah. it really does and I think some people look at you that way a little bit yes and <sighs> I think you have to trust that God is still very much at work with you this is this is the season that you're in that he's called you to none of it none of it's wasted and yeah kind of he's he's enough for us in that stage but I I completely hear you I think it's I think our society as a whole completely undervalues what what stay-at-home carers are doing we are raising the next generation of human beings um we are the ones who are you know helping to instill values and to teach them you know at the very least how to be a good citizen <laughs> um, yeah absolutely that, that's that's really not 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 acknowledged and and it requires such a huge range of skills um you know i'm a i'm a logistics manager and you know you have to kind of pivot all the time the other day um we thought this week because we've got quite a lot on we might let my daughter miss swimming just like let's just simplify things and then I said to her, you know, are we going to miss something? And she immediately burst into tears because it was oh, no. a last session and it was going to be a fun session, which I hadn't realised. But I think also it was sort of tears about, you know, leaving this year and going on to next year. And they've been saying yeah. thank you to her teacher and stuff today. So, you know, and you're like, right, okay. Actually, it, it, I think it is good that she goes swimming. So we've got to kind of rearrange what we're going to do. And you have to be, yeah, I think it requires a lot. Yeah, it does. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of them. Um... A lot of the fruits of the spirit as well sometimes oh, we have to channel. 100%. Patience, patience, number one, patience. Self-control, definitely. Mm. Your own kind of irritate. Like I'm very easily irritated and frustrated and kind of, why don't you, I don't know, I just have this expectation that my, you know, my six-year-old should behave like like me, you know, and should yeah. have the same sort of ability to, like my two-year-old can't wait for anything. Um, so I've often got two of them kind of shouting at me for different things and, um I've already explained that to you why do I have to explain it again and um they yeah I I, I'm not very good at getting myself into their head thinking actually this is a two-year-old who has only lived two years on this earth and doesn't know that eventually mummy will bring him the thing that he wants or whatever or might say that she won't or yeah all that kind of thing it's just yeah yeah it is demanding and I think that sometimes filters down as well doesn't it from our parents expectations of us when we're little where maybe our parents generation were a bit less understanding yeah. <laughs> but but also I I mean I guess there's an extra pressure you know if you're your husband's leading the church and you're serving in that church too 
is there an extra pressure there <laughs> being a parent <laughs> yeah I think um I mean I have to say that our church has been incredibly welcoming and um people have just been delighted to have a relatively young vicar you know couple with with young children so because I, I think it's a hopeful thing for them so generally speaking I mean for my children church is a, is a happy place where they run around and where there are lots of adults that are kind to them um you know I, mean, I never buy easter eggs now because they'll get so many from other people so i'm just like oh, they don't need any more chocolate i'm not buying any um but i it definitely i think and this obviously probably will change as they get older and and teenagers and that sort of thing there is um it's easy to fall into the sense of you're you're conscious of parenting publicly so if your child does play up how do you what do you do and and what do you do if the person that you're with or people around you don't agree with the way that you handled it um even if they don't necessarily show it um I think I mean I try and do things like I don't dress up for church I just wear jeans and I don't sort of I try to um I think that's partly because the culture that we're in we've come to an older congregation for whom it's slightly kind of the respectable people go to church here um, and that's sort of the feeling in the community a little bit. So often we'll get, I had a conversation the other day with a, a couple who were thinking about coming in. They're like, but they'd obviously been burned at a previous church where they tr- tried to bring their children and um, and had been told off because their children were too noisy and they wanted to bring their grandchild. And I was like, my children run around the church all the time. Like, it's totally fine. So I, I sort of actively try, I don't stop my children after, after the service, like during the, the service, if particularly the kind of quieter moments, obviously we we have children's church and stuff but we do we do kind of ask them to behave uh to be quiet at certain points at, at, at the service but after the service they can run around and make as much noise they might they they like and i i don't mind and, and if a child has a, has a meltdown in the service like it's fine these things happen they're their children so i try and kind of be quite intentional in if particularly new people and they get anxious because you know their child's making a noise I, I say look it's completely fine you know just don't don't worry about it so I, I think you have to be a little bit sort of stand up to your fears I suppose and to other people's fears and say this is okay and we don't have to um we can let it hang out we should church should be the place where we can let it hang out um and uh, but that takes time so it does it's tricky and I yeah, it's. It, I was. I was just thinking as as you were answering that question. I was like, actually, do I sometimes expect church leaders to parent better than me because they're leaders? Mm. And I was like, maybe I think I do. But actually, your new parents, just like the rest of us, you've been trained how to lead a church, but you haven't been trained how to parent. But no. the rest of us, no, we're like everyone else. We don't know what we're doing. We're just finding our way as we go along. Definitely, yeah, yeah. like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> totally and 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 there's this weird thing where you on a Sunday you have to bring your children to work no not very I can't think of many other jobs where you have to do that no that's pretty rare yeah I can't think of any of the jobs yeah um yeah I do apologize in the background you can probably hear my dog snoring so I can't actually but <laughs> it's, it's probably like a cat purring it's probably quite soothing yeah it's quite a nice noise I do sometimes let her sleep at the foot of my bed which is very naughty of me and I always said I wouldn't but she's my little princess my so. children and tv i will never give my children tv i will give my children yeah. TV. yes <laughs> um so you are two out of three ordained women that i have um interviewed this season and all of them with relatively young or younger families who despite being ordained are the main provider of childcare in the family 
is this something you've chosen or wanted or is this just the reality of being a vicar in the Church of England that it's very hard to be a mum of a young family and be leading a church? Um, I think that there definitely is the element of bringing your children to work Um, and so if you're going to lead a church you need uh, some kind of support, a spouse or a grandparent who's available and can look after your child while you're working so that that that's uh, that's definitely one element I think for for me and and for my husband we we actually always wanted to to job share we kind of so what happened is when I started my curacy Lucy was nine months and I was initially full-time and then about after a year or so I said actually I, I don't want to be full-time anymore I, I feel like I'm not having enough time with Lucy I want I want to change this and the diocese were really understanding and um, they arranged for us to job share. So we job shared my curacy and um, and and job and shared the childcare. And that worked really well for us. We, we liked that combination. It was kind of yeah. good, good to have this mix of adult time and then the quality of time with Lucy. And the, the only reason we sort of look when we we're looking ahead to um, the idea of, sort of serving a church, we, we, we always thought about doing it together. So it's just been the timing of the pregnancy with John um that actually it hasn't it was kind of obvious that there was no way I was going to be able to do a job share and and also I have to say the diocese was a bit like oh job share because it's one of the one of the things about incumbency is there has to be one legal incumbent you can't legally share it so um but they were not really kind of open to um the idea of of having that conversation about what that could look like um whereas my previous diocese had been much more sort of willing to be creative so that's definitely an element with the church of england it, it does depend slightly on which diocese so I, I know for example um of couples who've clergy couples who've like d- done theological college together and then gone off and shared a curacy um, but other places where they perhaps haven't been quite so open so i think um it depends on what what you want so i personally i don't feel called to lead a church um I know I know women who do and who kind of um, manage that with children, um, but it does require a certain amount of support, like a supportive spouse and um, ideally kind of family or other kind of childcare, um, yeah. like any other profession, really. I don't think the profession itself, apart from Sundays, I don't think the profession itself mitigates against leading a church if you're female. But the the, the Church of England was historically set up for, for like wealthy single like Victorian men. So yeah. um, <laughs> and it, it's slow to change. So and each diocese slightly does its own thing in, in many regards. So it can vary depending on, on which diocese you're in. Yeah. So a bit of creative thinking from the church yeah. and might help sometimes and I mean basically the what what most women need who have a family is flexibility like yeah. in, in lots of different professions and it's exactly the same in churching and we need I always remember when um I was started talking about doing a job share in my curacy and it was like it wasn't quite sort of being heard and then we had a new bishop who was female and I happened to bump into her at some meet and greet thing and I she asked me about myself and I was explaining the situation she was like oh yeah we can make that happen I was like oh right great you know <laughs> she, um, fantastic um so you you kind of who's in charge and who's their ability to put themselves in your shoes and to understand like she completely understood what I was talking about in a way that perhaps yeah. her male colleagues had found harder so definitely having women in senior positions helps women um because to to kind of navigate that yeah because they understand they've lived it yeah don't they? Totally. yeah, yeah. absolutely 
So moving on a little bit more to focus on on sort of women in ministry um, rather than just mums in ministry as such. What are what are the biggest challenges for a lot of females in evangelical circles currently in 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 leading? I would say that for evangelical Dane women, it's actually a much the situation is much better than it was say twenty years ago when women were first ordained to the um, to the role of priest. When that happened, um, many evangelical women found themselves cold shouldered. Basically, they weren't. Uh, understood by their kind of male and female um, brothers and sisters some of them had to leave their churches they couldn't get jobs in like serving in evangelical churches they weren't asked to to preach at things or uh, all, all that kind of thing it was it was a really isolating difficult time for them they had a, a lot of yeah some of the stories are, are quite heartbreaking um so that's why uh, the junior network, which was originally called Awesome, um, started by Liz Goddard and some other women who um, kind of pioneered it. They, they started it after they'd all been to a conference, sort of national Anglican evangelical conference, in which there were no women's voices um, kind of on the on the platform at all. And they thought, right, this just has to change. And they um, kind of got together and started Awesome and and really um, done an incredible work kind of both advocating for, for women and, and trying to make their voices heard but also trying to rebuild some of those relationships um, with um, more particularly more conservative evangelical kind of uh, groups and that's really I think always been very gracious and that we've definitely seen that that change so to the extent that you would have um, in into different evangelical circles you would have women being invited to speak or um churches where I mean even if even with my sort of complementarian friends who um wouldn't perhaps have a, a woman lead a church I feel like there's the, the conversation is much more open they would you know, they, they, they would many of them particularly younger generations are, are rethinking a lot of those sorts of convictions and prepared to um kind of draw the line slightly differently um so I think I think in many ways the situation is a lot better and actually we need to press into greater unity with our um, between complementarians and egalitarians and between charismatics and conservatives because there, there's been such sort of um, painful division um, you yeah. know through the charismatic renewal and through women being um, ordained that actually some of that does still linger I think there's much more openness but we need to we need to press into it because there are lots of women who've been burned and felt rejected and and lots of uh, you know um conservatives who felt uh you know had unhelpful comments by charismatics about not being spirit-filled or you know there are lots of sort of things that we need to address I think and and sort of reconcile over really because I, I think there's a there's a definitely a greater sense of realization that we have much more in common than we have different and we need to think things like Prisca for example which is non-denominational and, and draws together deliberately draws together charismatics and uh, conservatives is 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 doing really important work in that way I think if 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 Twitter's anything to go by the church is a very painful place at the moment and um I sort of had a little peek there after general synod which if you're not from the church of England background is basically where um representatives from all the different dioceses go and meet with the bishops and and decide things about the church of england but um <clears throat> yeah it was just i find it quite heartbreaking to look at actually because it feels like we've 
forgotten the things that unify us now and there's a lot of anger and and you know sometimes righteous anger I know there's a lot of upset about safeguarding issues at the moment and um you know sometimes people need to be called out but yeah it just seems like the whole the rest of society that the church of england is so polarized at the moment it's um um yeah i can imagine the the networks that you you help with are really really helpful with that so so what do um do you want to just explain a little bit about the difference between the junior and prisca networks and the difference between them and, and what you you're trying to do with the with each yes. of them yes it's a bit confusing as we've got two fantastic new testament women um that we're inspired by these different groups they do quite quite different things so the junior network which as I say was originally called awesome is was set up um by Liz Goddard and others specifically to be a space for Anglican ordained evangelical women a space where they didn't have to explain themselves to anyone because for, for women who kind of tick all those four boxes they were always continually having to kind of explain why they were female and ordained or why they were evangelical you know kind of they'd have perhaps more liberal colleagues on one side and more conservative colleagues on the other and and find themselves in between and and often particularly initially um not they might be on their own in a diocese or, or very much in a minority um and not uh really getting a lot of support so one of the things that we do is we run an annual retreat um which is just yeah sort of three days um in a lovely retreat house where um, ordinands and um, ordained women can come away and um, just hang out and spend time with God and we're there we sort of aim to be there year round to um, to chat with people who just you know we have, might have an ordinand for example who's coming from a more conservative church who wants to talk about okay I'm coming from a complementarian church I don't quite know what I think about women in leadership can I chat to someone you know we're we're really up for those sorts of conversations we um, hold sort of different uh Little, we did little Zoom kind of seminars together. So we recently did one on, on the menopause in ministry, which is fantastic. Um, one of our members, one of our committee members is, used to be a GP and two other members who um, came to, to sort of held that. And we just came and talked about uh, what to expect and what it's like and what it's like being in, you know, awesome. in public ministry when you get hot flush and all that sort of thing. So we try and trying to kind of address different points in a woman's life where being in ministry um you know might raise some challenges and how can we navigate that together one of the other things that we do is we um try and sort of provide an evangelical voice on something called the transformations group which was set up by um archbishop brown williams to address some of the issues addressing women uh, uh challenging women specifically so one of the, the big pieces of work that happened um was um trying to get maternity pot and paternity policies family friendly maternity and maternity policies of the whole church of england um things like that that um that particularly affect affect women so one of the things they're looking at, at the moment is clergy couples and how how they can make kind of life a bit easier for them it doesn't it can be tricky so that's um the junior network and personally i found that just a wonderful place of you know women at all different stages of, of their ministry some who are kind of right there at the beginning um others who are just coming through and it's a lovely um encouraging um, place to be sounds amazing really yeah and I, I love the fact that they're talking about things which are relevant and I mean that's why I started this podcast you know to talk about things that don't get talked about in the wider church as, a, as such and um uh 
yeah, I love that that you talked about the menopause because <laughs> I don't think no one tells you about the menopause, do they? When you're growing up until you sort of hit it, and then you have to do your research. I'm not quite there yet, but um... yeah, no, I'm not either. <laughs> but there've been a couple of things I'm like, hmm, and then um, I wonder if that could be. I don't know. And then yeah, I, I think I think it helps that we there's been more in kind of popular culture, hasn't there? Um, I've, I've actually got a podcast lined up to listen to which is about about the sort of more medical side of things because you're right I think that the generation just before us just never t- well my, my mom didn't talk about it no uh, you didn't learn about it at school any, no. anything like that so you do have to kind of and, and for some women it's they have a really really very difficult journey not not everyone obviously so I think it does I, I think I always remember in my when I was working for this law firm one we were in an all-female team and I remember that the lady who led the team's fantastic woman she would have what I can see now were hot flushes and she would get really hot and she'd go oh it's hot in here and everyone would just sort of be a bit awkward and not really know what to do with it. and then we just carry yeah. on and now I think gosh you know wouldn't it have been brilliant if actually we were bit, oh yeah you know if she'd been able to say isn't the men- menopause rubbish or you know, if we were able to talk about the fact that it was a hot flush yeah. and that was fine let's open a window and you know um that it we didn't have to be something that we just all felt a bit awkward about and weren't sure whether we could um yeah. talk about so I, I hope some of that I hope some of that is changing um, absolutely absolutely I, I think there's a lot to be said that in certainly in girls sex education at schools that should teach you about pelvic floors, <laughs> fertility, and menopause. Because <laughs> they're, yes, I'm they're with all you. things which never get covered. But actually, you realise, you know, like we've got friends who've struggled with with fertility. We've yeah. got, yeah, pelvic floors. I won't oh. even go there. But yeah. yeah, particularly when everyone has a trampoline in their back garden. I mean, oh, no. you're not prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah and, and menopause but um yeah sorry I interrupted because you're going to tell right. us about Prisca sorry Prisca yes yeah, so that um has started more recently it's a couple of years old and um it was started by uh, two women uh Laura Gallagher and Sharon McWilmhurst who are kind of charismatic and conservative or work for charismatic conservative um organizations respectively so Laura Gallagher works for St Aldate's Church in Oxford and um, Sharon McWilmhurst works for Langham Preaching. And um, they kind of got together and uh, they connected with Simon Ponsonby and Mark Menel, who also kind of, um, you know, crossed the, the divide. And um, they wanted to set up a, a movement really to, um, I mean, their hearts particularly for women, but actually they made the decision, it, it wasn't gonna be just for women, it was gonna be for men and women, which I think was a really good call. And they wanted preaching that was, they wanted really, I think, for for kind of to take some of the principles that often conservative evangelicals are better at with preaching, you know, really kind of un- trying to get you, your head around what the original meaning of, of the scripture was, what this passage kind of meant to the people who were reading it then. And then to um, kind of learn from the charismatics and say, OK, and what is the spirit saying through through that today? And to hold those two things together. And um, I think also there's a, a real desire to sort of be Christ-like as well. So have have that it's preaching training that also helps us to focus on our own character and what Jesus is saying to us and, and how he's making us more like us, more like him um, in our preaching. So that it, it's not just a kind of mechanical thing, but it's a relational thing and there's holiness involved um, or becoming, yeah, becoming more like Jesus. So they um, have set this up and uh, I'm I'm sort of, help help on the team there and I've, I've been facilitating hubs so the idea is that you you get into little uh, hubs small groups of people usually geographically although I've been looking after a zoom one 
um, and you meet sort of through the year, uh, take one passage, so this last year we had Philippians 2, you know, that wonderful kind of hymn of praise, Jesus, and um, you each week you kind of work through, you work through the passage, then you think about your context and trying to understand culture, where you're, the culture you're preaching into, and then you think about how you actually construct a sermon. So it's trying to kind of go right from the beginning through to how you deliver it. And then the remaining hubs, you all take turns to, you write a sermon and then you take turns to deliver it to each other and give, give feedback have um, a, an annual conference as well which is just wonderful basically and some online uh, training as well on things like speaking to this cultural moment and um and it's, it's brilliant because it's very um not it's non-denominational it's men and women you know everyone kind of in together learning from each other the speakers kind of cross the, the spectrum as well it's, it's been a huge encouragement um for me in, in my in my own preaching not that I've been doing as much of that recently as I would like um but just lovely to see pe both people who are been preaching for you know 20 years finding it real refreshment through it and then people who are like I think God might be asking me to preach and not really knowing what they're doing and, and but finding themselves grounded by um some of the the resources and things that we have they both sound incredible networks yeah I'm really great good and I'm I'm really passionate about preaching as well I think mm um you know like I don't I don't want to be um consumerist about church at all but it's something I really value in a church and we've had um two well he, he's, he was curate but he's now associate minister at our church and our, our recent vicar who's just left last week um uh have just been in they've had a really good preaching program the last um three or four years it's been um really encouraging and really because it's that balance isn't it between discipleship of the people who are there but also you know if the people there who aren't Christian and and um preaching the good news I, I did feel sorry for one of our lay preachers though who at a baptism recently was given Romans was it two or hey. the end of Romans one about the abomination <laughs> stuff and I was like oh my goodness this is that's a tough gig in yes. the world there's loads of people who don't normally come I was like oh she handled it so incredibly <laughs> I was so impressed but um what she did with that passage but um so just thinking about that because a lot of this podcast as well is thinking about obviously we've heard your story we've heard your challenges and what other women's challenges are as, as women and as mothers but how can we we personally the listeners support better or be be salt and light to women and more specifically mothers who are in church ministry that's a lovely question I think I would say I mean your point about um you know they're human beings as well they're kind of normal we are actually very normal we are still sinners saved by grace very much so um and I think it's it's really helpful to remember that um so it will involve examining your own expectations of what um a vicar a vicar spouse their children what what they should behave like um and you know thinking mm, am i setting my expectations too high um and and i think looking the other way when a child has a meltdown or you know needs extra support um or or just you know perhaps the vicar and his wife or the and her husband are, are getting a bit snippy or you know because they've had a, an argument before they came to church or whatever just remembering actually these are just normal people and um they're normal people trying to follow Jesus and it's not easy so I think I think 
um, just a measure of, of compassion and, and, and reality check is helpful. I think also um, be a good listener, be someone who who wants to understand without being kind of nosy, wants to understand what it's like, what their life is like, so that you can better kind of tailor your support because everyone's different. You know, where we are at the moment, we don't have the family around us. Um, and actually, as the children get older, we will need people who we trust, who we can say, look, could you please look after the children for this period? Or, you know, so so this coming Sunday, for example, I'm preaching at a different church and we're like, how what are we going to do with John particularly, who's not so used to being left? Like, how are we going to manage the logistics of that? To have someone that we can say, can I leave John with you while I dash over to this other church is, is like is is massive, definitely. Um, I think, you know, prayer is always good. Um, being that little thing. I think, <laughs> I think actually that point on nosiness is interesting because I think one of the things I'm always conscious of is that, I mean, not that the you know, vicars have much status in society, but, you know, within the church community, vicars do have a certain, do have a certain status. We have to sort of be real about the fact that you have a, measure, a degree of power. And, and, and I'm, so I'm always slightly hopefully in a healthy way but suspicious of of other people if that makes sense like why does this person want to be my friend what is it that they want what are they what what does their behavior show about what they think is important and why they want to be kind of close and you know it says that Jesus I sort of remember that Jesus said he didn't he didn't trust any man he didn't trust himself to any man and I you know, obviously you need to be careful about that because I I can't go around being suspicious of everyone to a kind of unhealthy degree but I think it's just good to sort of remember that we are all um, fallen and yeah. um, we will, we do all are, are a mixture of kind of um, godliness and, and selfishness. And yeah. so um, I think just respect the boundaries. I think of yeah. you know, some people want to be right in there with a the church family. They want to ha- let it all hang out. Other people are much more private yeah. and um, just kind of learn what the boundaries of that, of that couple are. And, and respect respect them, I think, is a really, really helpful thing. That's awesome, Sophie. And thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. Um, if you want to find out a little bit more about the networks that um, Sophie's involved in, um, you can go to prisca.org.uk or thejuniornetwork.org.uk and I'll make sure I share those um, those uh, links on the, on the show notes. But... Um, before we go can I quickly pray for you Sophie yes please definitely amazing Lord we thank you for Sophie we thank you for what her ministry looks like at the moment being that friend to lots of people and um we just thank you for the wisdom that she shared about feeling overlooked and how that is actually a good spiritual discipline sometimes to to have and we just thank you for all the the the, the tips and advice that she's given us today and for just sharing her story with us lord and we pray for her and her family as they um share this share this church serving this church and um we pray that the church flourishes under their care in your name we pray amen before you go as we're nearing the end of season two and I'm starting to plan season three, I want this podcast to contain topics that you want to hear about, uh, hear from other mothers who are maybe in similar situations to you or or your friends and you want to learn how to um, 
reach out to them in a better way be salt and light to them or or just hear from someone else who's going through a similar situation to to you are and to see where where God is in that situation so if you have any ideas of topics or guests please do feel free to send them my way and you can either contact me through social media or you can email me at saltymumspodcast at gmail.com right I'll see you next week for the final episode remember all the links that we've talked about today can be found on our show notes if you've enjoyed the podcast today please do remember to hit subscribe if you haven't done already and even better you can help us reach a wider audience by giving a quick review on whichever platform you're listening on see you next time